Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. Come on, somebody make some joy, a noise for Jesus right now. Come on. If you're watching us online, come on, make some noise for Jesus in your house. It's good to be together. It's good to be together both in person and online. It's an honor to be able to serve alongside of an incredible church. And over the last couple of weeks, if you're new to Restoration Life, in fact, is there anybody new maybe here for the very first time at all? We had a number of people, first timers in the morning. Anybody here your very first time? No, we're good. Oh, right here. Welcome home. It's good to have you with us. Welcome with the family. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good to have you with us. It's an honor. And uh, we're just excited about the grace of God that's on His church. Right? I know that it's dark times right now. I, I, I get that. I understand that. But there is no other time that the church should burn brighter than the time that we're living in right now. And so I just want to pray over this service. I want to pray over this time together as we get into this message that we've entitled Freedom Sundays. And we've been kind of breaking it down a little bit about what the marks of somebody that's experienced the freedom of Christ. What do their lives express? How is it that they live? And so for just a moment, if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're watching me online, welcome back. Welcome online. We're going to pray together. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for your family. We want to pray for this service. And um, I just want you to know ahead of time that this message is, is going to be the kind of message that's going to challenge you and it's going to make you very, very uncomfortable. But I'm reminded that God's word at times makes us very uncomfortable in order to respond to God's will for our lives. And so Father, over today I just pray God over everyone in this house, everyone that's represented both in person and online. Father, I just pray that your grace be poured out on our families. God, that you continue to keep everybody safe, that you continue to prosper everyone both physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, and even financially in the season that we're in right now. God, we pray that you have your way in this place, that you invade this room with your grace, with your presence. I pray that we surrender to your living word and that we allow it to penetrate our hearts and our minds, that we may respond an act of faith in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, everybody said. Well, if you're new or if you've been here with us for some time now, understand that we've been in this series called Freedom Sunday. And a couple of weeks ago when we kicked off, when we kicked off the series, what we, there are a couple of points that we wanted to make clear to everybody. And number one is that freedom from sin is only available and accomplished through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And that's one of the main things that we wanted to drive home in understanding what it is to be free in Christ. That we are free from our sin. That we're no longer slaves to our sin. That we are no longer um, constricted by our sin. But we are free to live the new life that Christ called us to live. We talked about the many roadblocks to this freedom. Ignorance, arrogance, reluctance. And we... we, we we communicated with that God's plan, that we need to trust in God's plan, and that we have a responsibility to steward the freedom that God's given us. Now, once we made that um, 
prevalent in this series, we kicked off in the eight marks of somebody that's living in freedom. And the first thing that we talked about was a surrendered life. That you and I uh, live out this surrendered life. It's not on our terms. It's on God's terms. But this is the mark of freedom in a surrendered life. Romans 12.1, let me remind you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then last week, we talked about a freed mind is a transformed mind. Romans 12.2, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. Today I want to look at the third mark of freedom on, on a believer's life. And if you're taking notes, you can download our app. There's a free journal in there. You can stay up to date on what's going on at Restoration Life. But also there's a journal for you to be able to take down these notes. Number three, the mark of a freed life. A freed life is actively serving God's purpose. You say it again. A freed life is actively serving God's purpose. Now, you've heard me preface this message by saying that this is the kind of message that's going to get in your stuff. And what I need from you is to license me to share God's truth with you this morning. And if you're going to get mad at anybody or you're going to take it up with anybody or you're going to email anybody or you're going to text anybody... It's going to be God and not me. Is that okay? Is that okay? So I want you to repeat this after me. Say, Pastor, I license you to speak truth and life found in God's word. I may not like it, but I must receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So now you've licensed me. You've given me authority to share some things that are going to get into your stuff. And they just may make you extremely uncomfortable. You may end up leaving service today. Or maybe you might even start thinking about shutting me out right now online. But I need you to hear what God has to say about you and I living in the freedom that he's made available. And in this mark of freedom we have to understand that we are in service to God. Remember that word sanctified that we spent some time last week talking about. Sanctification or to be sanctified means to be set apart for a purpose. And that purpose is not to serve your own will, but it's the purpose of God for your life and for your future that reflects, honors, and obeys God's will and purpose for your life. So it's extremely important that we get this right now because we're going to go for a ride together this morning and I hope that you're able to, to stay with me until we finish this message today. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse number 3. Again, remember, the 11 chapters of Romans is teaching us our doctrinal belief system. Then Romans chapter 12 launches us into an understanding of how to live that out and how to apply it to our daily lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. This is the way that it reads. For the grace given me, I say to some of you. No, that's not what it says. 
It says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. This is important because this is inclusive. Nobody is left out. We're all brought into this together, right? I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith that God has distributed to some of you. No. According to the faith that God has distributed to those of you that got it all together. That's not what it says. To those that don't have a bad past. No, that's not what it says. To those of you that have never made mistakes. To those of you with fantastic attitudes day in and day out throughout your life. That's not what it says. Let's read what the Bible says. In accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs to all the others. Now what is Paul teaching the church in Rome? He's saying that the church... The body of Christ, you and I belong to God, and as we belong to God, we belong to each other. I belong to you, you belong to me, we are the family of God. Everybody tracking with me so far? So then he continues to say, we have different gifts according to the grace given to some of us. No, to each of us. So each each of us means all of us have been given gifts, grace gifts from God for what reason? Right? So here, here Paul's going to unpack this. He says, according to the grace given to each of us, your, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. What is God saying? God's saying that you've been freed, that you've been set apart, and that you've been included into the divine plan of God for this world. And in doing so, he's given each and every single one of us a gift of grace to be able to not serve ourselves or to serve our own will, but to serve one another in love as we corporately advance the kingdom of God together here and now. Nobody is left out of this. Nobody's got a hall pass to not be included. Nobody is supposed to be isolated or separated or quarantined away from the body of Christ. But together, both in person and online, at the job, at the beach, in the South Bay, we are advancing the kingdom of God together because we have been gifted in this freedom to serve God wholeheartedly. Everybody tracking with me so far? So Paul transitions from doctrine to practice. His thoughts jump quickly on how we are all gifted to serve the church and Christ's mission. And let me just remind you again, we don't go to church, we are the church. Right? So just because you're here, and just because you're online, we're in, 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 in different places, but wherever we are, the church is. But the serving, but serving in the mission of God 
I think is too often misunderstood throughout the Christian world because we think that we have to um, get in where we fit in and if we don't feel like we fit in, we don't get in, we withdraw. And when we withdraw, what ends up happening is that we start to to think outside of what Scripture has taught us to think, right? Living a free life that's transformed by God means participating in the disciple-making process for others and for yourself. And, And so the question a lot of people ask is, why is this so important? Why is it so important to serve, Pastor? Why is it so important for me to get on a dream team? Why is it so important for me not just go to church, but to be the church? Can't I just attend church on Sundays and enjoy the word and go back to my family and just be good with God, me, one-on-one? The answer to that is no. You can't. Because to him whom much has been given, much is required of you. And so what ends up happening is that we fall into this religious, westernized Christianity where if we're not careful, we can come to church and be just as religious as other religions by just coming to church, receiving all the goodness of God, and walking outside of those doors and doing absolutely nothing with the gift, nothing with the grace, nothing with the mercy that's been shown to you, your gifting and your grace and the mercy that God has poured out on you is not just for you, but it's for everybody that God's going to touch through your life. And so serving is essential in Christianity. I'm not saying that serving is what gets you to heaven. We've already laid this out time and time again. But just because I know that there are people that love taking me out of context, understand that works will never get you to heaven. It's only through the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, his death, burial, and resurrection by which man can be saved. There's no other way. There's no other name. All right, get that out of the way. You've been saved for good works. Not just to attend church on Sunday. Not just to watch us online. Not just to say, oh yeah, I'm a believer. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but you've been saved. Here's the word, sanctified, set apart for God's purpose over your life. Stick with me, we're going somewhere together. Because you and I were saved and made holy for God's purpose. And God's purpose propels us beyond fear. God's purpose propels us beyond comfort. God's purpose propels us beyond any doubts that we may have, any vision that we may have desired or created for ourselves. And I know, trust me when I know, I know that this message is countercultural to what we've been led to believe in the world that we live in. But please remember that you and I are not of this world, meaning that we are not serving this world's purpose. We are serving God's purpose while we're still in this world. Right? We are ambassadors of heaven. Come on, am I talking to anybody? We are a chosen priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and grafted into the body of Christ that moves in unity, advancing God's kingdom until he returns. And make no mistake, this planet and the darkness that we're in is set up for the return of Jesus Christ. And when God comes back, 
He's not looking for somebody who's chilling at the beach. He's looking for somebody who's in the harvest field because the laborers are few. The servants are few. God is looking for people that are going to be actively serving as they're waiting for God. Come on. Matthew 6, 24 says this. No one can serve two masters. You remember me saying that last week. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What is Jesus saying? What exactly is Jesus saying? Is Jesus saying that money is evil? No, that's not what he's saying. Is, is Jesus saying that you can't make a lot of money and still stay saved? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying, if you prefer money over God, then money becomes your God. That's what he's saying. And you can't serve money and God. You have to love one and hate the other. But he's, he's not saying that money is bad. He's saying the love of money is the root of all evil. Keep it in context. Right? Keep it in context. Paul writes to the church in Coloss. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are what? Serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Paul writes another letter to the church in Corinth. Who was having some issues. Who was having some problems. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 58 says this. Therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that, the, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And so one of the most unfortunate realities in my Christianity is to see people that have surrendered to Jesus, have been transformed by Jesus, have been gifted by Jesus, and do absolutely nothing with everything that God's given them. Can I just attend church and just call it a day? Can I just, can I just come and receive and not have to serve? You won't find that anywhere in Scripture. Now, again, because people like taking me out of context, let me clarify some things. There is a season for healing. There is a season for restoration. There is a season for rest. Those are all no-brainers, right? But we never stop serving God. Listen, do you go to work and tell your boss... Hey, boss, time out. I don't feel like going to work. Your boss would be like, don't come to work. You're fired. You go to work for what? You go to work to get paid. You're getting paid because you are serving somebody else's vision. Listen. You're serving somebody else's vision. And because you're serving somebody else's vision, you want to be rewarded for serving, or let me change the word up a little bit semantically. You work for their vision and you expect to receive a reward for the work that you do to support their vision. Now you may have a vacation or two, which is what you're supposed to have. There's time for rest. But you don't like come, come to work and like, time out, I'm done. Hey boss, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not going to work. Hey, boss, I don't really like the people that you hired. I'm not going to work. Hey, company, I'm good. I've got other plans. I've got other purposes. I've got other reasons. 
I don't want to, but I still expect to get paid. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. This is what scripture teaches. Let's go. Married couples. Any married couples in the house? Come on, scaredy cats. All right. Could you imagine? Hey, babe, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling this right now. Time out. Time out. I don't, I don't feel like being married to you right now. I, 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 can, can we just get like a time out? Can I just get a break? Can I get a break from being married to you? Because, man, being married means that I got to serve you. You know, if, if I could just take this break, I get a chance to do me. Right? Because this is what the world teaches me, right? You do you, boo. Right? You do you. Get in where you fit in. Do what feels right to you. So, time out. I don't feel like being in a relationship with you, babe. How, how, how healthy do you think a relationship is? Hey, four-year-old child, I don't feel like being your parent right now. I don't feel like serving your needs. Well, I don't serve my kids. Yes, you do. You get up and you make them breakfast. And then you pack them lunch to go to work. You go to work to get them school clothes and you buy all their supplies. You pick them up and you, you drop them off and you pick them up. Then you cook dinner for them. They don't do nothing. Nothing. You're just there, hand and foot, whatever you need. I want a toy. Let's go get you your toy. I, I, I don't feel like cleaning my room. Don't worry, babe. I'll clean it for you. Who's serving who? You and I don't get to say, you know what? Time out. I don't want to be a parent right now. Little six pound, nine ounce baby. Feed yourself. Time out. You've been keeping me up all night. I need to sleep. You don't get to call a time out on serving that baby. You don't get a time out on being a parent. You don't get to be time out in, in, in your marriage. You don't even get to time out at work. In every area of your life, you're serving someone at some capacity. Why is it that we feel that we can go to God, time out, I don't feel like serving you right now. Why is it that we feel in the midst of all the darkness, in the midst of all the garbage, in the midst of all the stuff that's happening right now, why is it that we feel okay with saying, time out, God, I don't feel like loving on anybody. Time out, God, I don't feel like praying for anybody. Time out, God, I don't feel like going to church. Time out, God, I don't feel like reading my Bible. Time out, God, I don't feel like serving your... Why do we feel that we get to do that to God, but we don't get to do that to every other area of our life? I'm just not feeling it. What are you not feeling? Maybe your problem is that you're feeling too much of your flesh and not enough of your spirit. Don't get mad at me. I'm just teaching you what the Bible says. Don't take it up with me. Go home and take it up with God. Because I'm glad when God was in the garden and, and he felt the oppression and the persecution and he started to sweat and he started to experience this tension that he wasn't like, time out, God, I don't want to die for this world. Time out, God, I don't want my hands crucified. Time Could you imagine while Jesus was getting whipped on and dismembered as a human being that he wasn't like, time out, God, I don't feel like dying for anybody. Time out, God, I don't feel like dying on this cross. Time out, God, I don't feel like resurrecting from the dead. Aren't you glad that God didn't call a timeout on your sin, but in fact he showed up when you needed him to show up and he rescues us. 
why do we feel that we can call a timeout on God? I'm not feeling the team right now. I'm not feeling ministry right now. I'm not feeling that right now. I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel. That's your problem. You feel too much. This is our flesh that we're dealing with, day in and day out. So do you really need a break? What are you really saying when I need a break? Can you stop being a Christian? Can you just stop being a Christian? Can you like wake up on Monday and be like, I don't feel like being a Christian this week. I don't feel like forgiving. I don't feel like loving. I don't feel like encouraging. I don't feel like praying. I don't, I don't, I'm not, God, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it, God. I'm not, I'm not. We say that all the time, though. Pastor, I need a break. What, what do you need a break from? I don't know. I just need a break. People are stressing me out. Welcome to leadership. <laughs> how, how stressed out was Jesus all the time? We don't get to call a timeout on God when it comes to serving him. And I don't know why we feel like we have that authority or that power. I've had people like come up to me and go, hey, pastor, can I have people over to my house and cook for them and love them and pray with them and have Bible study with them? And I'm like, you mean you're asking me if you can be a Christian? The answer to that is yes. Always yes. Always love. Always give. Always support. Always encourage. Pastor, I'm burnt out. What are you burnt out on? What are you burning out on? Well, I got my job. I got my wife. I got my kids. Then I've got my hobbies. And then I've got my passions. And I started watching this new series on Netflix. And I'm just burnt out. What's burning you out? Why is it that the easiest thing to stop doing is anything that has to do with God? Why is it? Because we've been culturized by this world to put God last and put self first. And so instead of putting God first, right, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Instead of putting God first, we put what makes us feel best first. Now I'm not saying that there isn't a time for a break. And I'm not saying there isn't time for restoration. And I'm not saying that there isn't time for all of that. But months and years of it? I think that there is a problem that we need to address, and I'm going to address it this morning in Scripture. Because when they say things like, I need a break, what does that even mean? What, what does that even mean? Because I'm so glad that in the most difficult of times, Jesus never took a break from being our Messiah, for being our, our Redeemer, for being our Prince of Peace. And you're like, you're probably going, yeah, but that was Jesus. Yeah? And God called you to be like Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, Paul writes to another church, another letter, right? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to just serve at whenever we feel like it. No, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so all believers are called, instructed, gifted, and mandated, and anointed for the place for which they are uniquely gifted for. As you and I serve God, 
by loving his people, as you and I serve God, by serving his people, we disciple them, we encourage them, we equip them, we share the burdens, and at whatever capacity they allow us to, we speak life over the darkness that the enemy has tried to destroy them in. So why do we feel like we get a time out during a pandemic? I'm reminded that in the first century church, when they were told that they were not allowed to preach Jesus, when they were not allowed to assemble, the disciples' response was, should we obey God or man? Should we fear God or should we fear man? And they laid their lives down to serve God's purpose. They weren't like, time out. No, 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 no. Could you imagine? Daniel, you want to you read a book that resembles the time that we're living in? Go to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. They told Daniel, you can't pray to God. You can't do this and that in God's name. Daniel goes and pushes the windows out of the place that he's living in and begins to pray out loud. And what happens? They throw Daniel in the dying's den. And you know the lions didn't consume it at all, right? He came out victoriously. Why? Because he wasn't serving man. He was serving God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were told by King Nebuchadnezzar, you can't serve God. You have to bow down to me and to this golden image. They responded with, listen, we won't bow down to you because we serve the one and only God. And even if he doesn't rescue us and you throw us into the fire, we still won't bow down because we're servants of the Most High. They didn't go, time out. The oven is too hot. The persecution is too much. The danger is too great. No, they didn't do any of that. Am I, am I talking to anybody in this room right now? I hope I'm talking to some people at home right now too because we've withdrawn in fear when God wants us to step forward in faith. We've taken ourselves out of the ministry, we've removed ourselves out of the kingdom because we're cowering to what a governor says, to what a pandemic says, to what COVID says. What about what God says? What about what God anoints, what God blesses? Oh, that, you're just too radical. You're just too radical. I'll just, think I'll just go to the other church down the street. They don't preach like this. You're right. They don't. A freed life is a life that serves God no matter what's going on in their life. No matter what. Doesn't matter how hard it is in life. Doesn't matter how difficult family gets. Doesn't matter how financial the struggle is. It doesn't matter the culture or the climate or anything that's happening in this world. We're not of this world. We're ambassadors of heaven. We've been called to be salt and light. Come on, somebody. We, we are the children of the Most High God. Why are we cowering in fear? Why are we bowing down to what man says and not bowing down to what God says? Well, because, I don't know. You know, what if? Somebody asked me, well, what if they come and, and arrest you for, for holding church? I'm like, arrest me then. I got lawyers on the standby to get me out and to take care of that. What, what are you, you going to put me in a prison for preaching the gospel? Praise God. I'll be in there like Paul and Silas. It is well with my soul. 
Why are we so afraid to be the light? Why are we so afraid to serve one another in love? Why are we so afraid to serve our community through acts of kindness? Because of what Fauci says? Fauci's a liar. If you haven't figured that out yet, follow the money. Find out who owns the patents on everything that's going on right now. Expose the darkness. Expose the darkness. I love that God is going to expose everything in our world, even everything in our own nation. He's exposing it. And I'm praying for a great awakening for the church to rise up and be the church that we're supposed to be. And so a freed life is a life that serves God by serving each other, right? So I was saved and set apart for God's service to you. You were saved and set apart for God's service to me. And corporately as the body of Christ, we advance the kingdom of God until the day Jesus Christ comes. And when he comes, and I'm telling you right now, Jesus is coming back for his bride. And he's looking for a bride that's laboring in the harvest field. He's looking for a bride that isn't afraid to love people that are sick. That aren't afraid to get along or around the people that don't know God. To tell them about God regardless of what it costs them, their, even if it costs them their lives. This is what I read in scripture. I, I, I didn't lay down my life 31 years ago to Jesus to, to tell you a lie. I didn't. I didn't lay down my life and the life of my family and my children to, to teach you something that I didn't fully believe in and I was willing to pay for it with my own life. I've been all around this world. I've been in the craziest of places. This pandemic is nothing in comparison to that. But we've been taught to fit into the narrative that they want us to hear. They want us to submit to what they're saying. I want you to hear this right now. God is going to use you in the midst of this darkness to be salt and light. And people are going to come to know Jesus because you served God at your job. Because you served God at your schools. Because you served God at your church. Because you served God at your community. Because you served God everywhere you went. We're not withdrawing from a fight. We're running to the fight. James chapter 2 verse 18 out of the message translation. I only got eight minutes. Are you, are, are you guys good? All right, James chapter 2, verse 18. The message translation puts it this way. I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department, I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together, hand and glove. What is he saying? Is that you say that you've got faith? Awesome. Let me see it. So what he's saying. You've got faith? Cool. Where's your faith? Oh, I just, I love God. Okay, you love God, but now show me your faith in God in the midst of a pandemic. Do you really have faith in God? Because God loves moving on behalf of our faith. In fact, most of the New Testament, whenever you see Jesus doing miracles, it was because they stepped out in faith that God responded. So you want to see miracles? Step out in faith. How do I step out in faith? Just love on somebody. Love on somebody. Help somebody. Equip somebody. Counsel somebody. Pray for somebody. Come on. Grab somebody and tell them, let's go to church. Or come to my house. Let's have an online watch party. Whatever it may be. But serve God. Right? And I'm not saying serving God means that you have to get on the platform. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying serve God right where you're at in life. 
Serve God by being the shining light at your job. While everybody's talking trash and gossiping and cussing and doing all the stupid stuff. You just be like, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your glory would rain down in this place. And be there. Like when somebody comes to work and they're like, hey man, I'm struggling in my marriage. Let me pray for your marriage. Because this is what the Bible has taught me about marriage. Right? We serve God right where we're at. You don't have to have a label in front of you to serve God. You just need to serve God as a Christian. Just be a Christian wherever you go. You don't get to take off the Christian shield when you leave your house on Monday. And then put it back on on Sunday morning before you get to church. We are Christians. Day in and day out. 24-7. I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. I'm a Christian before I'm a husband. So that makes me a Christian husband. I'm a Christian before I'm a father, which makes me a Christian father. I'm a Christian before I have a political stance, because my political stance is going to align with my faith in Christ. And it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum it is, what's wrong is wrong, what's right is right, it will call it out for what it is, because it's the Bible that I live by, not what by man says. And so I've been asked and even disagreed with when it comes to putting people on team right out of DNA. Pastor, they're not mature enough to serve. Really? Like, for those of you that don't know, our DNA class is what prepares people to actively live out their faith. And then we put them on a team, a ministry team here at Restoration Life, so they can learn how to apply what they've been taught in action so that they can grow as men and women of God. But I've actually had people in our own church say to me, they're not mature enough to serve. Or they don't know enough about the Bible to serve. Or they're too young in Jesus to serve. But what are they actually learning when they serve? Are they, they're learning how to serve God by serving his church. They learn how to prefer one another above themselves. They're learning how to apply God's word in every ministry opportunity. They learn how to become devoted to God's word. They learn how to work with other people, even people they may have not have liked in the past. They learn, they learn, they learn, they learn, and when they learn, they grow, they grow, they grow, and when they grow, they grow in Christ. Do they have it all together? No. But neither do any of you. Do they have all the deep theology of scripture figured out? No. But neither do any of us. Do they make mistakes? Absolutely. But so do we. Are they learning how to apply and use their gifts? Yes. And so are you. Are they being transformed by Jesus in the process? Yes. And so are we. God is very unique in the way that he chooses people because he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the ones that he calls. Listen. He chooses the weak to lead the strong. The foolish to shame the wise. This is because he wants everybody to stay grounded and to depend on him. He prefers to use people who, who admit that they're insufficient on their own but with God they're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens them? Is this helping anybody out? Because if you've ever been told you're not ready to serve, the devil is a liar. Because from the moment you said yes to Jesus, he puts you into service. And your service is to God. And as you love God and you serve God, you love his creation and serve his creation. He prefers to use people who want to learn and that are willing to make 
mistakes. Let me say this. It is the right of someone who's learning to make a mistake. Come on. Noah failed by getting drunk, and yet God used him. Abraham failed by lying about his wife being his sister, and God used him. His son Isaac made the very same mistake, and yet God used him mightily. David failed multiple times. He lied, he schemed, he committed adultery, he fornicated, and he murdered. And yet Jesus still says of himself to be the son of David. Peter fails, the first original gangster in all of Scripture. Right? Jesus is going to get arrested and to be taken to the cross. Jesus, or Peter pulls out a sword and cuts off the ear of a centurion. And Jesus is like, Peter, we don't do things like that anymore. Grabs the ear, puts it back on, gets arrested and goes to the cross and dies and resurrects on the third day. Jesus' disciples, all of them failed him. Yet God used them to be vessels of honor and to spread the gospel into all the world. So Jesus loves to use people that have failed in life. Am I talking to anybody in this room? I think far too often we've allowed the enemy to keep us in our failures when God's already forgiven us of our failures and has prepared us for a future that is in his will, in his timing, through his purpose, for his mercy on everybody that we are supposed to reach out to in love as we serve God. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 through 11. Am I going too fast? Only got a minute and one second left. As each, each, every single one of us has received a gift. What does he say? What does he say? Use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks as oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him, be glory and honor and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter is very clear. Peter is crystal clear that you and I are to use our gifts to serve God by serving each other. And in serving one another, we are bringing praises to God. And as we bring praises to God, people are watching our lives and they're going... Man, that the God that that person serves has to be real. Has to be real. Because I've seen that, that person transformed. I've seen that person change from a bitter, jacked up individual to a very loving, compassionate individual. And I know that only God has the power to do that in somebody's life. So how does God receive glory when we serve? The transforming power of Jesus is on display in the lives of those who have traded selfishness for selflessness. And when we direct, when we direct glory towards him instead of accepting it for ourselves, we stand out from the crowd. So a freed life is a life that serves God. And nobody is exempt from that. Nobody in this room, nobody at home, no Christian, no born-again believer anywhere on this planet is exempt from serving God. And I don't know why we've paid so much attention to what the enemy has to say about our past when God has already declared what our future looks like. I want to encourage somebody here today that a freed life serves God. It serves God. Does that mean joining one of the teams of Restoration Life? Maybe. 
Does that mean volunteering for food distribution? Maybe. But more importantly than just those natural acts of service is that every day that we wake up, we look for an opportunity to give God glory and to serve the people that God put us in front of. That's how we draw people to Jesus. That's why it's so important that we don't waste the gifts that God's given any of us. So a freed life is a life that serves God's purpose. And secondly, there's joy. Somebody say joy. There's joy in serving God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. Here's another church that he writes this to. The church of Galatia. He says, for you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love. Serve one another. You know, joy is a stable and ever-present attitude in a freed life. Joy is so much more powerful than happiness because happiness happens from time to time. Something good happens to us, we're happy, happy, happy. We get something that we want in life, happy. We're not experiencing hardship. We're getting promotions. We're, man, life is good. happy. But what about when it gets difficult? Bad. Bitter. Angry. Depressed. Anxious. Because we're looking for the next thing that will make us happy. Joy is different. Joy is a gift from God. That even while we're in the midst of hardship, we can still experience the joy of the Lord. Man, I'm free. And because I'm free, I have the joy of the Lord. And the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. That it doesn't matter what my wife is like. It doesn't matter what my kids are doing. It doesn't matter what my finances say. It doesn't matter what the governor says. You can't take my joy. It's there for a reason and a purpose. And it sustains me during the most difficult of times. And even though we do face hardship and we will be persecuted and we do get attacked and we do go through all this emotional stuff, the reality is that the joy of the Lord sustains me enough to be able to break through that bitterness, to break through that anger, to break through that deceitfulness, to break through all the stuff that the world tries to pile on us. But no, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's why you can't hold me down because God's joy is overwhelming and it's overflowing. And yeah, life is difficult. And yeah, business is rough. And yeah, people are drama. But the joy of the Lord is serving God. I don't serve God for what I get from God. I already got it on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. I serve God because He saved me. And He filled me with His gifting and the joy to step into any circumstance and be okay on the other side of it. Joshua. Chapter 24, verse 15 says, But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in the land whom you now live? But as for me and my house, me and my family, come on, say this with me. We will serve the Lord. 
I'm going to serve God. What about when it gets difficult? I'm going to serve God. What about when people give up on you? I'm going to serve God. What about when people talk mess about you? I'm going to serve God. What if I lose my job? I'm going to serve God. What if I don't get the approval on the loan? going to serve God. What if my car breaks down? I'm going to serve God. What if I get COVID-19? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. That's the end of it. And the joy of the Lord will sustain me through it. The grace of God will empower me through the gift of God to serve Him and love Him with all my mind, all my heart, all my soul, and do the same for His creation. I'm going to serve God. You know, it's interesting. Before Jesus ever went into ministry, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and he fasts. And there's a story in Luke chapter 4, verse 5 through 9 that says this. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, this is what he said to Jesus. I will give you all their authority and splendor. It is has been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it'll all be yours. I want you to picture this with me. Because a lot of times, the devil will do the exact same thing to you. Like, if you just serve me and stop serving God, I'll give you that man that you've been asking for. I'll give you that girl that you've been praying for. I'll give you that job that you've been wanting. I'll give you that house that you've been saving up for. It's mine to give to you. How do we know that? Because the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan rules this world. Make no mistake of it. He rules the world. But guess what? God has a special ops team. And that team is called Restoration Life. And we have a responsibility to preach the gospel, to be shining lights in the midst of all of this. And when God himself, through Jesus Christ the Son, was being told, just bow down and worship me and I'll give it all to you. What does Jesus respond? What does Jesus say? Jesus answered and said, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only serve him on. I don't serve my boss's dream. I work to get compensated for doing my job. The only person that I truly serve is my master in heaven and his name is Jesus. He's the only God in my life. And because he's my only God, I serve his will and I serve his purpose. Because obedience to God's purpose is the hallmark of a commitment to God. Can I just share one more story? Then I'll close. I think for all of us in this room and those of us watching online, our response to God whenever He asks anything of us should be just like Mary's response when she found out that she was going to be used as a womb to birth this miracle of Jesus Christ. God manifested in the flesh you know the story right the angel visits her that in itself should freak you out a little bit right could you imagine you wake up and there's this like massive angel with wings and he's glowing he's like the Lord has need of you 
How would you respond to that? Okay. <laughs> Mary's a teenager. She's a teenager that's living holy and pure. We know that she's already been betrothed to Joseph. Betrothal, back in that day, literally means that you're already coming into covenant. So even though in our Western culture, we look at it, she was just his fiance. In that culture back then, she was already in covenant with Joseph. So I want you to get this picture. The angel of the Lord visits Mary. When he visits Mary, what does he say to her? The angel answered and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. They're talking about Elizabeth, who would soon birth John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for Jesus Christ and then baptize him 30 years later. Track with me. And then God says to the angel, he says, for no word from God will ever fail. Somebody needs to hear this today. Because you've gotten a word from God and you haven't received it as of yet. Understand that God hasn't failed you. Your word is about to come to fruition. Your word is about to, to be experienced in the darkest and the deepest, most unthinkable time of your life. God's word never comes back void. Whatever he sends it out to accomplish, it will be accomplished. And so the angel tells Mary, so here, check this out, Mary. You are going to give birth to the Messiah. And she's thinking in her little teenage head, any teenagers in the room, raise your hand. Any girl teenagers in the room? Think about this with me. You're a teenage girl and an angel comes to you and says, you're pregnant now. And you're like, what do you mean? I'm holy, I'm pure, I've never been, I've never been touched. But I love what Mary says because Mary's response wasn't, wasn't in response to her fear over what God said over her. Mary's response was all about pleasing God and not herself. So she says this, may it be to me as you have said. So what I want you to hear is the first thing a wholehearted servant to God says or does. Everything about their life is to please God. Secondly, their whole heart commitment is to serve God. May it be as you have said. We need to have this kind of heart in our church today. Hearts ablaze that burn with a passion for serving God and each other. Because this is where we experience the joy of the Lord. And I promise, I promise you, whenever you serve God for his purpose and not for man's, you'll never be burnt out. You know why we get burnt out? Because we don't see the reward from serving people from those people that we're serving. But our purpose is not to get a reward from people, not even to get a pat on the back. So what if they never said thank you? That's not the reason why you serve. You serve so that one day when you're standing before Jesus in heaven and you're about ready to enter in, he says, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. I pray that this message challenges, 
challenges your, your thinking, challenges your theology, challenges your flesh right now because so many of you right now, you're on a timeout. And it isn't because God put you on a timeout. You put yourself on a timeout. And let me say this to you. You don't have the authority to put yourself in a timeout. None of us do. Our response should always be, God, let it be unto me as you say. And so maybe you're here today and you've allowed the mistakes that you've made in the past or maybe even in the present to keep you from serving God all out. I want to let you know that that is a lie from the pit of hell. Satan would have you feel condemned. God wants to heal you and restore you right now. And if that's you, and you're saying, God, here am I, use me. I may not have all the knowledge. I may not have all the wherewithal. I may not have all the know-how. But God, here I am, use me. You saved me. You set me free. You set me free, and so now much is required of me. I want to hear, well done, and good and faithful servant when I stand before you on that faithful day. And if that's you, and you're in this room, or you're watching online, and that's you, could you just stand to your feet and say, God, here I am. Use me. I want to serve you. I want to serve your purpose. I want to serve your will over my life. I want to be a servant of the Most High God. I understand that I've got some growing to do. I understand that I've got some learning to do. I understand that I've got to stop looking in the rearview mirror of my life and start focusing on your purpose and your will for my life. If that's you, come on, stand to your feet. That's me. I'm not serving right now. I'm not doing what you've called me to do. I've called a timeout. God, I pray that you take that back. Here am I, God. Use me. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, over everyone in this room right now, over every family, over every individual, over every young person, over everyone watching me online right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you quicken them right now, that you speak to their hearts, that you, that you, that you begin to weld something up in their spirit, God, to respond the way Jesus responded, to the way the disciples responded, to the way that you've called us to respond to your will, God, because we have been saved and sanctified and set apart for your purpose. And so, God, I pray in Jesus' mighty name, God, that you would have your way today in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our families, at our jobs, in our finances. This we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Come on. Lift your voice. Lift your voice.
bowed and every eye closed in reverence to God. This is a time for us to make a commitment to Jesus. He was fully committed to us when he went to die on that old rugged cross where he was brutally beaten, disfigured as a human being so that you and I could respond to this gift of salvation. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't serve Jesus. Maybe you're watching us online and you're backslidden, you're far from God. You know it. We, I mean, we don't really have to sit here for the next 20 minutes to unpack what it means to be backslidden. You've turned away from God and you've turned back to be led by your own emotions and your own desires. And maybe today's the day that you recommit your life to God. Today's the day that you surrender back to God so that you can experience this freedom and this joy that I've been talking about for the last 45 minutes. And if that's you, and you would like to receive Jesus or recommit your life to God, would you just raise your hand real quickly all over this place, all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Would you just pray this prayer with me? Don't say it to me, but say it to Jesus because only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can set you free. Only Jesus can fill you with his joy. Nobody else can. It's a God thing. So pray this prayer with me and mean it from the bottom of your heart, but don't say it to me. Say it to God. We'll do this together because we're a family. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I've messed up. I've lived my life in disobedience to you. I ask that you forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died and you rose again from the grave for me. I repent. I turn away from my past. Jesus, I give you my future. This I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from the bottom of your heart, I believe that God not only saved you, but now you've become a part of the family of God. All of heaven is rejoicing, and the process of restoration has begun. Come on, you are a new creation. Stop looking in the rearview mirror while you're trying to move forward in life. Let God direct your path and watch miracle signs and wonders take place. How many of you believe that this morning? Four of you. Come on. How many of you believe that this morning? Okay, 20 of you. How many of you really believe that this morning? Listen, I pray that you have an amazing week. Wednesday night. 7 o'clock. We're going to be in prayer. Listen, we are preparing to go outside and open air services soon. And so our hope and our prayer is that we're able to see more of our family come together. Listen out for that. But next Sunday, Pastor John Morgan is in the house.